episode 337. Being able to be empathetic with people in those moments usually means that you're going to be somebody's day maker. If you could understand their perspective and then craft a, an experience that makes it less stressful for them or easier for them in some way, that's going to really make a difference. And it's going to keep them coming back. Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome, automotive aftermarket professionals, to episode 337 of Remarkable Results Radio. In this episode, enjoy some very important geek talk as it relates to your customer purchase journey. And there's a lot more. Here's a very insightful discussion on the art and science of your customer's e-engagement with you. With me is Mandy Pennington, Director of Internet Marketing at NetDriven. Carm Capriato here, helping aftermarket professionals achieve their own remarkable results and also thanking Federal Mogul Motor Parts and Garage Gurus for serious technical training and support online, on-site, and on-demand. Garage Gurus is everything you need to know. Find out more, fmgaragegurus.com. Hey, are you listening to the Aftermarket's premier podcast on your desktop? Well, if you are, do you know that you can go mobile? There are many podcast listening apps that feature Remarkable Results Radio. Now, you can find many links on my social page, remarkableresults.biz slash social, or simply go to your app store on your Android or Apple phone. Search for Remarkable Results Radio, Install my app and you'll have access to the entire catalog of powerful audio content while you are mobile. Now that means exercise, commuting, and even walking the dog. So glad to welcome new Facebook friends Paul Krupa, Jesse Hurley, Tommy Keeter, Fred Gestwicki Jr., and Steve Lines, and newest LinkedIn connections, Tandon Noplos, Leonardo Payayo, and Lewis Oliver. It's easy to connect with the podcast. Just go to remarkableresults.biz slash social, and you'll find every link to get involved, including the free Aftermarket Insider newsletter. Hey, I'm sure you know that every podcast episode has their own show notes page. Now, this episode with Mandy Pennington is at remarkableresults.biz slash E337. Now there you'll find additional bio information and the key talking points. Yes, already done for you. You know that creating a customer service advantage comes from having the right culture. But as Mandy explains, it includes your customer's purchase journey. Now that includes your website and anywhere your customer or potential customers can connect with you. Mandy Pennington brings a solid review and overview of your customer's purchase journey. It is not to be missed. She also talks on digital marketing trends now and into the future, and she also talks about protecting your online image. Mandy Pennington is the Director of Internet Marketing at NetDriven, who brings a decade of experience in internet marketing. Here's my personal guarantee. You'll pick up at least two important, actionable takeaways from this interview that you can implement tomorrow and improve your digital marketing and or your customer experience. Now, enjoy the best aftermarket talk radio. Here's Mandy Pennington. Hey, a warm welcome to Mandy Pennington, Director of Internet Marketing at NetDriven. Hi, Mandy. Hi. <laughs> Glad to have you here. We're about to kind of geek up a little bit here and talk about software and internet and stuff. And I do believe that some of the discussion that we're going to have may be kind of out there for my listener. So I, I want them to take this opportunity to learn a lot and to accept uh, the stuff that's going to be coming at you. I want to start talking about the customer purchase journey. I mean, for the automotive aftermarket, is that kind of a new thing? 
absolutely that's a new thing. Um, I would say most small businesses have never thought about their customer journeys before. And it's a marketing technique and a tool that you can have in your toolbox to be able to craft better experiences and better messages. And I think it's something that's really underused at this point. Is it something we have to learn as a shop owner or does the company who manages my website help me figure this out? It's actually done in tandem. So there's things that happen in your customer journey that happen offline that influence other kinds of behaviors or um, ways that your brand might be impacted. So for example, you know, your website is just one of many marketing touching points that you have with your brand. It's one way that customers can find you and either schedule an appointment, get to know your business, find out where you're located. But your phone line, so the way that your your staff answers your phone is also a touch point. And that also contributes to the customer journey. Uh, your waiting room and how comfortable, clean or spacious or what features or amenities it offers, that also is part of your customer journey. So it's really any touch point a customer has with you throughout their life cycle from going from a complete stranger to your most loyal customer that you've ever had. So are you trying to create for me this journey mapping, customer journey mapping? I mean, you're saying, hey, Carm, don't forget about your weight room and your telephone. And is there a way to measure this? I mean, how do I integrate it into my site? Help me land all this in something I could deal with. So it's a, it's a very big idea. And I think um, the first place to start is to begin by taking a look at a few typical customers that you have and then just walking a mile in their shoes. How did they find you to begin with? What process did they go to actually become a customer? So did they pick up the phone? Did they email you? Did they visit your website? Did you, they find you on Facebook? Go through those same communication channels that they went through and then relive the experience with them. You know, how easy was it for them to book an appointment, to uh, get a quote on a set of tires, or how easy was it for them to be able to you know, actually arrive for their appointment to get their car in and out. What was the follow-up like? What was the checkout purchase like? Um, so you're, you're essentially traveling in their shoes throughout their entire customer journey so that you can better understand how you communicate with your customers and the experiences that they're actually having. This is excellent. Has anyone ever said that to you before? <laughs> um, I think it's uh, it's really important to talk about. So I'm glad that you're that you're finding value in it. I'm so. finding a ton of value. I mean, that whole walk a mile in my customer's shoes. I'm not sure we're doing that enough. Probably most businesses aren't. I think that's the biggest thing is that in many cases, perception and reality are very much out of tune when it comes to small businesses because they're so busy. They have so much to focus on, and being able to like zoom out and actually empathize with their customers yeah i get it so i just bought these beautiful new leather um chairs and couches for my waiting room and my customers wanted keurig but i don't have one and i would never find out if that was missing <laughs> if i if i guess i didn't ask them and i i didn't be, I, and I, I i didn't put myself in the in the shoes of the customer Absolutely. I mean, it can be little, like little comforts, like having coffee and Wi-Fi and a comfortable couch. Um, but really, it's just being able to think not only about how they interact with your business, but how do they feel in those moments. So, for example, when your car is broken, you are super stressed out. You are not a happy person to deal with. So being able to be empathetic with people in those moments usually means that you're going to be somebody's day maker. If you could understand their perspective and then craft a, an experience that makes it less stressful for them or easier for them in some way, that's going to really make a difference. 
and it's going to keep them coming back. I love to take these power words out of my episodes and my interviews. Daymaker. I mean, that's there's there's a soundbite right there. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> so I've I've really walked a mile in my customers' shoes, Mandy. Uh, I've done a lot of the things that I believe that they're looking for that they've told me. How do I get that that feel into my website, which is a is a big customer touch point? To turn your website into a more powerful marketing tool by using customer journey mapping, it's about using a combination of offline and online tactics. So by offline, I mean actually surveying and talking to your customers about how they use your website, what they found to be really easy, what they found to be really helpful. Um, and then online, it's looking at things like your Google Analytics data to see the pathways that people usually take through your site as they begin to navigate through it. Um, it's also looking at pages on your analytics that ha maybe have high bounce rates because usually that indicates that you know people aren't finding what they're looking for, so they might leave really quickly. Um, looking at time on site, so the pages where people are spending a lot of time, do you want them to be spending a lot of time there or are they getting stuck? It's, it's being able to go through the different areas of your site and evaluate, am I meeting my customers in these moments when I need them or when they need me the most? And am I delivering? Am I delivering good service, the information that they need, the details, or am I making it easy for them to take the next step? Interesting. So my site, do you recommend that I use only pictures of my own shop versus stock photos? Right. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, it's great if you have pictures of your own shop. The more you have, the better, because I mean, that's something that's completely unique to you. And customers like being able to connect on a personal level with a business. So having photos of your shop, your staff, stuff that's actually happening is great. But then there are other situations where stock photography or stock video images totally have their place, like trying to illustrate, you know, what a part does. But if I was searching on my company or on, on your company, you know, Mandy's service, and I saw this, this you know, this beautiful waiting room and it, everything on the site told me I was going to have this great experience. And then I walked in oh, and there was yeah. a dichotomy. <laughs> uh, well, uh, a disconnect. I, I, yeah, I must be in the wrong place. I think that's important. You want to make sure that expectations meet reality or better yet exceeds reality. You know, you want to exceed those expectations. Is that really all part of this customer purchase journey? I think so. The most successful customer journeys are ones where the business is able to effectively empathize with the customer and they understand the journey that they're going through and then what they're thinking and feeling along the way. And then they create experiences that leave an impression that's positive. Um, and you, you can all think about these moments as they've happened. I'm sure we've all encountered a small business where we're going through the routine, the normal process of maybe making a purchase or scheduling an appointment. And then somebody does something really nice for you. Or somebody does something that makes your life a whole lot easier. They send you a text message reminder. They you know, uh, send you a calendar update so that it's easy to schedule. They do something to make it simpler. And those are those moments that really stick out and end up being the things that we remember most about an interaction. And that's actually what motivates us to start talking um, to other people, both online and offline, whether it's, you know, hey, they had an awesome waiting room. I was super comfortable while I was, you know, waiting for my appointment to be finished or, you know, their online scheduling made it super simple for me to be able to schedule an appointment last minute. Mm -hmm. Consumers are changing the game of how we approach our digital a hundred percent. It's everything has changed because of con consumer behavior changes. You know, we live in a world where information 
is consumed at such a different level than it was, you know, even three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. We live in a world where most consumers are looking for information on multiple channels. So it's not enough to be present just on the things that are popular. It's important to be present in the same places where your customers are present. Um, so that's why we see social media being such a core component of your online marketing strategy. And you want to make sure that you have all these different touch points to be able to reach people. Because if you think about how we consume media and how we consume information and how we look for information, it's usually a multi-channel step. Um, you know, when we watch watch TV, a lot of us are either on our phone or on our tablets, um, you know, looking for maybe information that we just saw in the show or browsing something completely different. You know, so we have such access to information in ways that we never had it before. And then we're consuming a ton of it. <laughs> you just brought up something so funny. So I would be on my phone or my tablet while I'm, you know, during the commercials, watching more commercials or being, you know, as much as, as much as I don't want those, com- please, I, I just, to hate commercials, yet when we're on our phone, we're being bombarded at the same time. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But I think sometimes in those moments, you know, those moments when we're actively searching for answers, that's a great opportunity opportunity for us to make more meaningful connections with our customers. So Google back in, I think it was like 2014, 2015, they introduced this idea of micro moments, which are any moments that we turn to a smartphone device to be able to answer a question or serve serve a need that we have. And they usually fall into four categories. I want to do something. I want to go somewhere. I want to learn something or I want to buy something. So when we look at our searching activity and our media consumption activity, it's usually around those types of things. We've all had those moments where we're having a conversation with a friend and we have to stop and Google something to find out, oh, is this really true? Or is this actor really in this movie that we're talking about? And those are examples of micro moments. But that has been a fundamental shift to user behavior in that customers are looking for things on the fly and they're usually looking for answers in these really quick moments of their day. And the customer journey journey is no longer linear. It's not like your traditional marketing funnel that we think of where it's like, oh, they see my ad and then, then they fill out a form and then I call them and then they schedule an appointment. It's more like, oh, they look at your website and then three weeks later they come back and maybe they click on something and then they Google something else and they see your PPC ad. So then they click on that and they're like, oh, I've already been on this website. So it's not a linear experience anymore. Um, so I think when we think about how do we better market to our customers, we can't think about it in linear experiences. We have to think about how do I make myself present in these micro moments when people want to learn something, go somewhere, do something or buy something. And by doing that, I think that we, we make experiences that are faster, more relevant, um, and usually better converting. I'm talking with Anthony Frowine, a technical product specialist with Federal Mogul Motor Parts. Anthony, When you're in a shop, are you talking tech as well as product? Whenever I do a physical training, there is product incorporated part of the whole uh, training overall. But it's to maximize the time, whether it's diagnostics, whether it's inspection, whether it's installation. So that way they understand that, hey, by skipping that extra 20 seconds by putting on this set of brake pads and not replacing the hardware hey, this might be the reason why that I'm getting comebacks. And usually, being a ex-shop owner, I understand that the first time you get paid, the second time's free. And so are the techs really starving for this information? Oh, absolutely. Um, a lot of times you have, uh, I mean, we live in an industry where I like to, like to say they, they cut the, the, the roast in half and they don't understand why, but they do it. 
just because they've always been doing that type of an industry. So, you know, to break it through that, they've been doing something for 30 years and they see as they haven't been doing anything wrong, but it starts to open up their eyes to, hey, you know what? It wasn't necessarily wrong, but there is a better way. So you're really talking to me about an aha moment. Exactly. And tell me when you see that happening um, more and more from technicians that you're out with, uh, how does it make you feel? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, you really feel like you're giving back to the community overall. But ultimately, the way I, I tell them, you know, I look at every single vehicle that I worked on prior to, or I had my customer, just like I'd put my family in that vehicle. I look at it as I'm keeping everybody else that much safer because the job's getting done correctly. Federal Mogul Motor Parks' Garage Gurus is your go-to source for the vehicle training, technology, and answers you need to keep your next job on track. On-site, online, or on-demand, the gurus are here to help keep your business and your career on the road to success. Visit fmgarageguru.com. So touch points, websites, I'm sure social media, right? Yes. Yes, they all they all count. They're all part of the journey. <laughs> Online reviews. Yes, absolutely. 100%. That's actually probably um, one of the biggest deciding factors into why a customer might click on your website result or why they might consider your business as they look at your reviews. Managing them, really important. A hundred percent. Making sure that you're not only listening to the feedback, but applying it. Um, the best businesses learn from their negative reviews and they start to see trends um, that they might be able to address in their customer service process where they, they get to understand what are the pain points that my customers are experiencing. And then that helps them make, you know, corrections to things. And it could be really little things like, Somebody could complain, oh, hey, their door always sticks when I try to go into their shop. Every single time it sticks and I run into it three times, you should fix that. But that's like a, a little thing that can be so impactful into your entire mood throughout the entire transaction. Well said. Word of mouth is another touch point, but how do you control that? Well, I guess <laughs> you're on a great business with superior customer service. Be a daymaker. Make somebody's day. Make Find little somebody's ways. day, yes. And, Make somebody's and, day. And we hope that they go out and tell the world about it. What about digital advertising? I mean, what's going on today in the world of digital advertising as a touch point? A whole lot. Um, I think what we're seeing is a very large shift into how we think about paid advertising playing into our overall media strategy. So if we look at social media, just as an example, Social media has introduced many different ad types to the market. We have video ads that'll play on Facebook. Um, we have Instagram-sponsored stories. We have Twitter ads, Facebook ads in, in your newsfeed. We have ads that will follow us around across the web through remarketing. Uh, we have pay-per-click. We have ads that appear in local map packs. So I think one of the unique things that's happening with digital advertising today is that we have more opportunities than ever to connect with our customers. But in order to do that effectively, we have to understand where they are in their journey and then find the channels that are going to meet them where they are. Is this this mapping thing you're talking about? Yes. Uh, <laughs> let's dive it's in. Sure. So customer journey mapping doesn't necessarily have a set format or template. It's going to be different for every business and every business owner might have a different style of trying to map their journeys. But it's thinking about how do customers get to know me and then what are the interactions that they have with my brand or business along the way? And you have to think about it at a really granular level. So it's like, where do they see me online? Where am I present? 
what do they click on when they do see my stuff? Um, you know, what, what phone number do they tend to call or which locations of mine do they call first? Um, are these people who tend to stop into the store in person or are they people who like to pick up the phone? Do they email me a lot? Um, and then once they've actually contacted you, it's thinking about what are some of the conversations that they're having? Are they looking for, you know, your hours of operation? Because that's one of the things that can actually be a huge help um, in crafting better experiences is listening to the types of questions that your customers ask every time they call. So if they get on the phone and they're like, hey, what are your hours? That might start to get you thinking, oh, maybe I should make my hours more apparent on my website, or maybe I need to make sure that my hours are consistently updated across my social media. So you're thinking about not only the channels that they use to reach you and the things that they're, you know, they're conversing about with you or the questions that they're asking, but then you're also thinking about what actions are they taking? So are they people who visit your website and then email and then, you know, they call you as a follow-up? Are they people who, you know, once they get on the phone with you, they actively schedule an appointment? Are they people who are lurkers, meaning they just kind of like look at your stuff, but they never take action on it? Um, And then, you know, once you've taken a look at how they find you, how they're, you know, interacting and conversing with you and the actions that they take, you want to think about the end results for them. So how do they feel after the experience? Are they happy? Are they not happy? Are they you know, feeling like they need to tell their friends and family to leave a review, to join your loyalty club. It's thinking about the entire life cycle of the customer, the thoughts and feelings they have along the way, and then what you can do as a business owner to make better experiences. Well, the closer I am to what they are expecting is going to, number one, reduce churn and probably give me a higher rate of retention. But if we're all learning from the mapping journey, we'll be able to anticipate customers' needs a whole lot better. Oh, absolutely. The most effective businesses that use journey mapping are able to see their weaknesses. And I think that's something that a lot of small business owners struggle with is because they are so busy and they're trying to juggle so many different priorities. But if I think if we can zoom out and look at our business from this from this map level, we're usually able to pinpoint areas of improvement or things that we might be able to make simpler or more efficient or easier or more informative or more relevant um, just by considering our customers' needs in those moments and then trying to anticipate, okay, if I do this, how are they going to feel? I have a burning question. Go for it. <laughs> I, I love what you're saying. Makes tons of sense. But I'll bet you there's a lot of science behind this. <laughs> and if there is a lot of science behind this, and I don't know how the, the mapping works and it gives me a result at the end, this may not be the fun part. <laughs> it's definitely not fun to do the for the first time because I would imagine that most small businesses have never actually walked a mile in their customer's shoes for real. They think they have. They think they might have touched all the points, but I think really digging in and going you know, doing a deep dive, being really in-depth and being really thorough, that's the part that really yields the most answers. And there's not necessarily a scientific way to do this. I mean, I've known businesses that do journey mapping by simply like keeping notes and they use a notebook. Other people will use a whiteboard. Some people like to do this in Excel or they spend a whole lot of time in their Google Analytics. Um, So there's a lot of ways that you can look at it. But I, I think the biggest thing is just being open to listening to feedback and then actually applying that feedback. So the customer is done. It's the end of the day. I'm the owner. I go up to that customer and I say, hey, do you have about an extra five minutes? 
That's perfect. Start there. That's a little thing that you can do to start mapping. You go and you sit down and in, in the waiting room and you say, I'm really interested in the journey that you had, the experience. Uh, can you, yeah, I've got a few questions. Does that go on a lot? I don't think as much as it needs to, but even five minutes out of your day talking to one, even if you made it a commitment saying, I'm going to take five minutes every day and talk to at least one customer. I think what you'll find is over time, you're going to find the same patterns and same trends in what they're saying. And that's going to be really indicative of what's actually happening in your business. So this kind of research is just grassroots. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of times it is. <laughs> so it's on me. It's on me to know as, as the owner or the, the manager of the shop. But the, this whole scientific thing, I mean, you know, if, if I said, hey, Mandy, come on over and let's do a customer journey mapping process. Is there any science behind it and charts and analytics and XYs? <laughs> do, do you come up with anything scientific? You could. I think it depends upon your comfort level with those kinds of things. Because I know that there are certain business owners who really thrive on things like making a chart or actually mapping it out. There's actually a really great example of that that we did in a recent webinar at NetDriven where we, we talk about how if you just start by charting out all of the touch points that you have with your customers and then sort of measuring their happiness level at each touch point. Um, you can use a bar graph for that, or even if you just wanted to use like um, a bell curve to say, okay, you know, this is the point where they're at peak happiness. And then here's where they start to, you know, decline in their happiness level. Um, and then just being able to zoom out and look at it and say, okay, where are my peaks and valleys? You know, where are people the happiest in my customer service process or where are they happiest in my marketing or my website journey or, you know, where are they happiest dealing with me? And then where are they the least happy? I like that about the peaks and the valleys because literally, I think what you're saying is you can do an XY chart and you could take every one of these. And again, it, I always I always look at things art and science, right? There's a whole lot of art in in, in surveying a customer and in sitting down and, and having a cup of coffee with them and asking them about their their experience. But there's some science when it gets to the website and you know and how many people are stopping to visit. So you've got some real hard facts and you've got some subjective facts. And and what you could and what you're really saying to me is that you can see w the areas that you have to work on by charting it. Yes, absolutely. Okay. If All you right. if you take a, f a few minutes to say, okay, here are the areas where people are saying consistently this isn't working for me, or this could be better. That tells you all you need to know. Well, it's it's like doing an SWOT on that segment of your business, uh, uh, doing doing a SWOT. So reviews. Let's go to reviews. Uh, is trust built? by managing your reviews? Absolutely. And there's a lot of research that actually goes into this. Um, so businesses that respond to reviews and are actively engaging with customers on review pages, sites like Google My Business, Facebook, and Yelp, they actually see higher rates of review velocity, meaning they're more likely to receive more reviews because customers see that there is an ongoing dialogue with the business and they feel more comfortable leaving feedback because they know that it's going to be listened to and heard. There's actually a lot of research that shows that businesses that tend to be more active and respond to things like reviews, they usually are perceived to be more trustworthy by searchers or by customers who might be considering them. Are you an SEO expert? Yes, a little bit. <laughs> If anybody could call themselves an SEO expert, because it's something that changes all the time. I bet you it does. And uh, wow, uh, who would have ever thought that SEO would be an acronym that uh, we, be it's a big one. we begrudgingly in this industry <laughs> have to understand and accept? 
why is it so important? And, and, and is it used just to be sure that we get found and that we, you know, we're up on the top part of the Google search? So um, this actually plays a lot into my philosophy around SEO. So when I first got into SEO as, as a profession, um, so I was actually still in college when I started my first internship in SEO. And when I think about it, the thing I found to be the coolest, the absolute most exciting thing about it was that I was helping small businesses compete with the big box guys. Because SEO at that time, I felt was a, it was a level playing field where somebody was a, who was a mom and pop shop could appear in local search right next to somebody who was a huge brand who had tons of marketing dollars, tons of marketing power. I loved that search engines were a great equalizer and that they made it more possible for small businesses to succeed. And I think it's gotten a little bit tougher um, over the years for that to, to be still hold true because there's a lot more um, competitiveness in terms of how search engines rank content or, or the ad exposure that they introduce on different queries or different pages. But for me, I, I loved how it was a great equalizer. Um, and I think when we talk about SEO and how it plays into your marketing strategy, it's so much more than just being number one. It's actually in more, in more of a sense, it's about being visible in those moments when people need you most. It's about being, you know, visible in the moments where people are looking for somebody to help them, um, or they're looking for something that's close to them or something that's going to be relevant to them. And it's about being able to serve that user intent effectively And then at the same time, cultivate a brand that's going to look trustworthy and um, authoritative to somebody who might be searching for you. So you love being the wizard behind the curtain. It's a new challenge every day. And I, as you mentioned earlier, art and science um, tend to be two interests of mine. And I think that SEO is really about combining those two things together. Because on one hand, there are a lot of technical aspects to SEO and how Um, you know, websites are built and constructed and, you know, whether or not they're crawlable or indexable by search engines. But a lot of times good SEO really comes down to creating a great user experience, just as you would with your customer service process. The same thing applies to the way that you design and implement your website and your online marketing. Is SEO really all about those micro moments? (laughs) Um, It really is. It's about being present in the moments when people need you and being able to serve their intent. So um, as we talked about with micro moments, it's about reaching people when they want to do something, go somewhere, buy something, or learn something. So when it comes to learning something, you know, you want to make sure that your website has informative content that's going to educate them or help them in their research process, whether they're looking for a business to, you know, handle their vehicle or learning just what a part is called, um, you know, something like that. For those moments when we want to do something, it's all about action and making sure that we're clear with giving people's calls to action, meaning click to make a phone call, click to get directions to my shop, click to make an appointment to to get a quote, making sure that we create experiences that really make it easier for people to take action. When people want to, um, when they want to buy something, they want to see things like pricing or they want to be able to get a quote or be able to see things like product inventory or, um, you know, know what services you offer or know what brands you carry. Having that information readily available across your online touch points is going to be really key. And then when they want to go somewhere, clearly you want to make sure that you have the local business information that's going to be most important. Things like where are you located? What's your phone number? What are your hours of operation? What can you do for them? What can you help them with? I was going to ask you to give us three SEO tips and you already did. (laughs) You did. I loved it. I wrote them down. Informative content, create actions, and make sure you have a local business presence. And, and all of that can be done with SEO, right? 
with, good, with good SEO management. And there isn't anybody that I know. If, if, I, if I picked up the phone and called a, a shop owner and I said, so um, tell me about SEO. I don't know if people do it for me. <laughs> so basically, uh, companies are doing it. Uh, and, and helping shop owners have good presence on the internet because they're managing their SEO. A little bit. Um, I think one of the things that people maybe don't necessarily associate with SEO, but is still really important, is your offline activity. So if you have a really great customer service process, you have a great business, people know you, they love you, and they want to talk about you online, that's SEO. Because it starts to build different mentions of your business across the web, whether people leave you reviews or they talk about you on social media or they write about you on their blog because that's happened too. Those are all signals that go to search engines that say this business is great, it's relevant in this region, and here's maybe why it should be considered to rank well. Because it's being mentioned outside of their domain. Correct. Your website is the one place on the web that you truly own, but it's your online presence and your reputation that often ends up moving the needle for you. Which is why so many people want to get reviews uh, outside of their own website. Yes, exactly. Because uh, the Google bots or whoever's out there doing the search says, oh, look at this. Yes. <laughs> and, then they, and, and that's kind of a ranking point, isn't it? They're like votes of confidence. So the more positive reviews that you generate and the more relevant positive reviews that you um not reviews, mentions that you generate across the web. They all act as votes of confidence in your website and in, in your overall brand. And that sends a signal that says, okay, this is a business that's, that's worthwhile taking a second look at. Wow. So let me bring up the words social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and, and all of those. There's so much going on with what Facebook is doing, but that would be another great SEO builder, wouldn't it? Facebook is definitely a piece of the puzzle. Um, we do see that there is a correlation between having an active social media presence and then also ranking well on SEO. They're not necessarily dependent on each other, um, but they do have signals that are sort of, um, they're mutually beneficial to each other in that when you generate conversations around your brand, particularly ones that are positive, it usually sends signals saying, okay, this is a business that has a strong reputation or does have some visibility and activity around it. Let's make sure that it's visible. Got it. Any great advice? I mean, I, I've heard people say, make sure you're storytelling on uh, Facebook. W would you agree? Any advice? I think that you should do storytelling on any marketing piece that you have. If it's your Twitter account, your Facebook account, your website, your email marketing list, whatever it is, tell a story. Because that's what ultimately connects a business to a person is they want to be able to relate to you on a level that is a very human, it's a very human experience when you can um, connect with a business and they understand what you're thinking and feeling and then they deliver a message that's right in line with that. Can you share any digital marketing trends, you know, that they're happening this year and even, you know, that you see down in your crystal ball? <laughs> um, well, I say the biggest thing that I see right now um, is the shift to the mobile first index. Um, so that's something that a lot of business owners are starting to ask questions about because they're starting to receive uh, alerts from Google. Actually, yesterday, the first wave of them went out. But basically, the search engines, particularly Google, are looking to now prioritize your mobile presence over your desktop web, web presence. And what that means is that they're going to consider your mobile website in terms of its um, strength and validity over your desktop version of your website. The good news is that if you're on a responsive website, you don't really have to worry. This doesn't affect you because your website is the same regardless of the device. Where you do need to worry is if you don't have a mobile-friendly website, if you only have a desktop version of your site and it doesn't adapt to a mobile device. 
Um, so that's a really hot topic right now in digital marketing. And then in terms of some other things uh, looking forward, voice search is on the rise. So we are seeing more and more businesses um, experience the effects of voice search. If you look at Google Trends, which is an amazing tool, I totally recommend spending some time on there just, just to play because you can learn a lot. If you look on Google Trends and you look at phrases like um, tires near me or auto repair shops near me, you'll see that there is a sharp rise in that over the past few years. And that is primarily tied to smartphone adoption, as well as the um, addition of uh, voice assistants into the marketplace. Things like Google Home, Amazon Alexa, Siri, Cortana, all of these things are introducing new pathways for customers to be able to find you. So optimizing your web presence to be friendly for voice search is going to be sort of the next big step, um, especially as we see more adoption of these technologies. Do you have an Alexa? I do. I do. I ask it for the weather report every morning. Um, and I actually have, I have asked it for local business advice. I asked, you know, which pizza place is open near me right now? And it gave me an answer. So, um, and actually, if you look at user behavior in regards to um, voice assistance, they use it for trying to do a lot of transactional searches. So they're looking for things like, um, you know, what time does this business close? Or uh, what is this business's phone number? Or what is the nearest place, um, you know, to get pizza? Or, or um, you know, does this uh, business have this in stock? Those are the kinds of questions that usually end up being asked um, from a voice assistant. And that's changing the way that we do some optimization because it's making us think about user intent and then also semantics. So what are the phrases that people use to be able to ask questions of their voice assistant to find answers? So if I said uh, automotive repair in any town that has the most five-star reviews, would that be a logical request? It's a logical request, but I think one of the things that we're also learning about voice assistance is that the technology is still developing. In order to be able to appear more visible to a voice assistant, you have to be using things like structured data markup in your website, um, which is just a fancy way of saying you need to be able to give search engines richer information about what information is actually on your site. Ah, I get it. Yeah, so it's 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 about being able to categorize and parse information for the search engine so that it's easier for them to pull it into a voice assistant. You got to do its work for them. A little bit. I think um, we are seeing the technology improve. If you look at Siri um, from when it was first introduced and then what it can do now, it's it's progressed by leaps and bounds. So we're we're continuing to see that trend of uh, you know new developments and advancing the technology. So how can we protect our online image? That's a good question. I think the first step is being a good listener and being open to customer feedback and being responsive to it. Um, I think the second is taking ownership of your online presence. I know a lot of small business owners get overwhelmed with the idea that they have to have a website, they have to have a Facebook, they have to have a Twitter, they have to have an Instagram, they have to have a Google My Business listing. All of a sudden, there's this laundry list of things that they have to have. But I think taking responsibility and taking ownership for the fact that this is how your customers are going to look for you and find your business and start to connect with you digitally, you know, recognizing that importance and then taking responsibility for it and and taking ownership and saying, okay, if I'm going to be out there, I want to make sure that I'm out there in the best way possible. Um, And I think that means really committing to, uh, you know, making sure that you have great experiences, that you're offering the right kind of advice, that you're offering, um, you know, easy scheduling or the features that make it easy to to take action or, or get answers. I love it. Creating a culture of listening in your shop. 
Yes, yes. That's a huge tip. <laughs> you mentioned listening and uh, re- review social media, stars matter. I mean, th- these are all critical pieces that it's mind-blowing t- today to realize all that we have to be aware of not be experts at because we can hire the expert but we can't just let the expert do it unless we're involved in in asking the right questions of our experts 100% i think the best marketing partnerships are ones where there's great collaboration between the client and then the vendor or provider because you know as, so as somebody who's who's working with small businesses all the time you know it's beneficial to me to understand what's actually happening on the ground floor with them cuz usually marketers get to see a birds eye view of the big picture whereas you know the people who are in the shops every day you know who are crawling out from underneath the car to sometimes get on the phone with us they're the ones who are most in tune with actually the little things um so being able to collaborate and and be able to listen to each other and learn from each other can be really beneficial what else do you want to tell the audience? Uh, I mean, I- I'm, I'm impressed. This was great. Is there any final words? I mean, I think the biggest takeaways uh, from today's conversation is, you know, the more listening and empathizing you do with your customers, the more effective you can make your marketing and your customer experiences. Um, and then another big takeaway is be somebody's day maker. Find a way to do the little things that normally people would never even think to do so that you can generate positive buzz around your business and, and generate that word of mouth and start to, to make those really, you know, powerful connections with your customers. Um, and then, you know, three is take ownership of it. Take ownership of the fact that your website and your social media channels are channels that you are able to influence people in those micro moments. You know, so find ways to reach them, you know, when they want to do something, go somewhere, buy something or learn something, find ways to be able to meet them where they are and be the answer. Well, I want you on my team, I'll tell you that. Wow. (laughs) Great job. Mandy Pennington, Director of Internet Marketing from Net Driven. Thank you so much for your insights. Thank you so much. Um, We really appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk with you today. Thank you, Mandy Pennington, the Director of Internet Marketing at Net Driven. I loved your talk on the customer purchase journey and their touch points with your business and also how you can build better touch points with your customers in the moments they need you most. Find the key talking points and additional bio information on Mandy Pennington at remarkableresults.biz slash E337. Thanks for listening to the Aftermarket's Premier Talk radio podcast. I also appreciate when you share the episode's URL, the Aftermarket Insider email, and any one of the social links to help benefit all aftermarket professionals. Talk soon and listen hard. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.